punch the employees.
We are indeed thankful that we can sing by personal testimony that Jesus saves, and that it is nothing of ourselves, and all of thy great grace and mercy. We pray your blessing now upon the meeting tonight, that all would redound to thy glory. If there's one here without Christ, this would be the day of their salvation. For each of us here whose name thy name, we would pray that you would search our hearts and see if there be any wicked way in us. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name.
Amen.
he's in his red Camaro, you know, and it wasn't really what he thought. I think he thought, you know, I mean, like, you know, you know. Well, anyway, he came on in, and Jake was all excited. They sat back in the back, and I was preaching a series on the 23rd Psalm, and uh, gave the invitation, and just preaching the Bible. And while Burton raised his hand for prayer for salvation, and my son Jake was sitting by him, he ever peeked. <laughs> Jake saw him raise his hand, so Jake just kind of stepped out, you know, and came down to the altar where Burton just followed him down. And I, and I stepped out and I said, What'd you come for? And he said, I just need to be saved. And my brother Bob, uh, my brother Bob led Brother Burton to the Lord. And thank God he ran into that city of refuge. Amen. Amen. He got some help. What a blessing. He pastors now, for those of you who don't know, uh, the old bartender at Applebee's in El Dorado, uh, he pastors now uh, in the inner city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, he pastors Liberty Baptist Church, and they're in Kensington. Kensington's kind of like the armpit of Philly. It's bad. I mean, it is bad. That heroin addict's everywhere, and God put him right in the middle of that mess. But he had a background in drugs and stuff, so he speaks their language. And he's not normal. Brother Burton is not normal. And so, uh, anyway, now he started the second church, Bible Baptist Church, and it's about two miles away from the other one. And there's so many people there, you know, that you don't have to go very far to start another church. But anyway, God's got a sense of humor because the old building, it was a picture up there, it's been condemned. And they had to go in and replace a bunch of stuff, but it, it, it was no bar. And, and now he's converted that into the second church. Amen. And, and I'm proud of him. God's been a great work there in the inner city of Philly. And uh, he's got an old boy in his church named Ito. And uh, Ito uh, is a painter. And uh, last time I was there, I was talking to Ito. And Ito said, uh, Pastor, we know my mother was a witch. And I was like, whoa. He said, I, I just didn't have a chance. He's so thankful that God brought Brother Burton to the inner city. And Ito got saved. And Ito led his best friend Jason to the Lord. And Ito's a drug dealer. Jason's a drug dealer. I mean, he got a church full of former drug dealers. And uh, anyway, I'm just so proud to see what God's done there in that place. And, and uh, Ito, uh, last time I was there, he told me, Pastor, I've led, I've led 12 people to the Lord now. Amen. Amen. Blessing. Amen. And uh, to God be the glory. Amen. And so uh, we just thank the Lord for the opportunity. But I said all that to say this. Uh, Brother Burke was trying to figure it all out. You know, he knew God wanted him to go to the inner city of, or to, to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you know. So he took me over there one day. We were preaching a tent revival in uh, Aberdeen, Maryland, where his mother and father-in-law, his father-in-law, Ben Portal, was, uh, was pastor there. Brother Abel's thought that that, uh, that my daughter married Burke, and he couldn't figure that out. I said, no, that wasn't my daughter. That's somebody else's daughter. Oh, okay, Brother Abel, I, I hold you in higher esteem now. I can't believe you let your daughter marry Brother Burke. But anyway, that wasn't my daughter. But anyway, uh, so we uh, we uh, we went into the city one day and to look around. Brother Burke was real excited. He showed me all these different places, and then he took me over to these these buildings that were there. And it was it was a, a church building and, and, and a house across the street, and then across the park there was another house, and it all went together with this church, you know. And I mean, it's the inner city, and that stuff costs a lot of money. And I, I, I was looking at all that, and I was praying, and I told him, I said, Brother Burton, I said, man, uh, uh, if you can get these buildings, that'll put you years and years ahead. You know, because I was thinking like a church planner, you know, because everything costs so much money. And so uh, he was agreeing with me, but he wasn't really with me, if you know what I mean. He was kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, but he really, like, I'm not leaving my family to this drug-infested mess. 
you know, that's what he was saying. But that night at that old timey tent revival, they had bells of hay. It was in the fall, and it was cool. And uh, he preached first, and then I preached. And, and we closed the service, and he just, he wasn't kneeling, y'all. He was just laying out. <laughs> he was just laying out there weeping uh, on bells of hay, and they had some cloth down there, and he just, like, laid out there, and we just missed the service, and he's just down there praying. But that night, he gave it all over to God. And there was one group that was ahead of him to get the buildings. And the next day, the next day, that group fell off the wagon. He got the buildings. Amen. God did that. Right. Say, so what do you think? I think if he hadn't surrendered, that other group probably would have got those buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Are you listening to me? But God did that. But I sure am glad that Brother Burton just kind of gave it over to the Lord. Gave it over to the Lord. And that's what we got to do in revival, isn't it? Just give it over to the Lord and, and just yield ourselves uh, to Him. And, you know, we can be hard-headed and hard-hearted and all that stuff, but the, the way of the transgressor is hard. Yeah, right. It's just better to obey the Lord, okay? And uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Jonah. Amen. And uh, we're going to preach about Jonah tonight for a little bit. And uh, don't you just love the Bible? Aren't you glad you know the story of Jonah? Amen. There's so many people in the world you know, you know who Jonah is, you know? And I'm glad that uh, I've been around the Lord and the ch- church and the Bible and and all of that, and, and uh, you know, uh, thinking about revival, you know, we, we read the verse last night in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and if, if my people, if my if it's conditional, if my people, which are called by my name, Amen, shall humble themselves and pray. And, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, it's conditional, if and then, we'll do our part, he'll do his part, then we'll hear from heaven, we'll forgive their sins, we'll heal their land. Our land is sick, and we need healing, don't we? We need, man, I'm telling you, we need an old-timey, uh, heaven-sent Holy Ghost revival in America, don't we? We do. I mean, we need God to sweep through and do something. And, uh, so anyway, revival, we're thinking about revival, uh, there was a time in my life, and I'm kind of ashamed, or I am ashamed of it, I'm not kind of ashamed of it, but my wife and I, my daddy was a pastor in Texas, and my dad led me to the Lord when I was uh, 15 years old. My dad was a state trooper and, and all of that, and they were raised Presbyterian and Lutheran, and been through confirmation and catechism, all that stuff, but they were lost. And uh, man, they were bankrupt, you know, spiritually, and they were having problems in their marriage, and, and me and my, my older brother Bob, me and my little sister Debbie at that time, and wow, uh, you know, they just kind of went back to church as un- unchurched adults, you know, that were lost and didn't find what they were looking for in the churches they grew up, and we just happened to live about three blocks from an old-fashioned, fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist church, about 700 people there, 1,000-seat auditorium, 800 on the bottom, 200 in the balcony, and, and my dad said, well, let's go, let's go, let's go try this one out, it's close to the house, and man, he had no idea what was going to happen. <laughs> He said he'd heard about them Baptists, so they kind of sat in the middle, you know. He said if anybody messed with him, he was out of there. But, you know, the old man of God took the Word of God, the old preacher man, he took the Bible and just began to preach the Word. Amen. And the Holy Spirit of God came down and got hold of my dad's heart. My dad, man, he's crying. And he's looked at my mom when the invitation was given and said, Honey, I don't know about you, but this is what I need. Mm-hmm. Boy, they bailed out, and the preacher man stepped down and said, What'd you come for? And they said, We need to be saved. 
And he lived with my mom and daddy with Jesus Christ. And God gave me a new mama. And God gave me a new daddy. Amen. That a blessing. Amen. And I'm so glad they listened to God that day. I'm glad Amen. the man of God was faithful to the Word of God. The Spirit of God was faithful to do His office work. Amen. Amen. I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. But some plant, some water, and then God gives the increase. Amen. Amen. And uh, but anyway, my wife and I, you know, we grew up around church, and my dad surrendered to preach in the process of time. And when I was a little boy, about probably nine years old, and and all of that, and we lived out on the farm and. Again, we had chickens and, and hogs and, and, and cows and all of that. I remember we, we took a hundred friars. My mom and dad we went to the Bible college. We took a hundred friars with them, you know, around their necks, you know, and had chicken. We had chicken every way you could cook chicken, amen? Chicken, 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 chicken. I'm a chicken eating Baptist, amen? I like chicken, amen? We call it Baptist bird, amen? And uh, I love chicken. But anyway, um, you know, um, Thinking about that, you know, having grown up around the, the ministry and, and, and all of that, um, it was a great day in my life as a preacher's kid when I, you know, I got saved when I was 15, and then, uh, you know, it's kind of, there's kind of an expectation, and rightfully so for preacher's kids, you know, you kind of grow up in, the, you know, in, in a preacher's home, and the church folks expect preacher's kids, you know, the Bible says man won't rule his own house well, you know, he can't be... Uh, a preacher, and so anyway, I, um, you know, I, I got up a little bit older, and I thought, you know, I'm not doing what I do because my daddy's a preacher. I'm doing what I do because I love the Lord. Amen. And you know, that was a big decision in my life, you know, because it's easy sometimes for young people and boys and girls just kind of conform to the rules and, and go along with everything, but they don't really have what their mom and dad has. And so that was a big thing for me to kind of, you know, uh, just... I knew in my own heart that I loved the Lord, you know. Well, anyway, as I got a little bit older, you know, and I was kind of feeling my oats a little bit, and you know how you're young and you've kind of got pride and things like that, and my dad is strong. You know, my dad was old school, y'all. He would whip us. I mean, there wasn't no hotline numbers to call back in those days. I'm telling you. My dad whipped us with a razor strap. Oh, wow. The old barber, you know, they use those straight razors. And, and man, them things hurt. I'm kind of tender back there, amen. I mean, my dad would light you up. He said, My grandma, my dad said, My grandma had been in hot pants a long time before they had whipped the heart. <laughs> she went with the green weed, amen. <laughs> my dad, my, my brother and I actually, we actually burned that, uh, that razor strap. We didn't tell my dad. The only thing left was just a little handle on that thing. He used to hang in a barber's chair. Got rid of it. it accidentally got burned in the burn pile on purpose, amen. But, uh, Anyway, wow. I mean, my dad, when he whipped you with the belt, you know, he's kind of big like me around the middle. It just seemed like that belt just kept on coming, you know. They said it's a chicken graveyard, you know. But anyway, man, that belt just kept coming. And man, my eyes, and you know, he'd always say, you know, son, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm thinking, give me that belt, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. And he'd tell me how, you know, how much you love me. And he did love me, but Wow. But, you know, uh, my wife and I, we got up a little bit older, you know, and I knew I was grown, and my dad couldn't tell me what to do no more, you know, and I was kind of, and we stopped coming to Sunday school. And my, my wife's grandpa was a pastor. He married us, and uh, he pastored South Ridge Baptist Church there in Mansfield, Texas, for years, a good man of God, and her daddy was a deacon, and my dad's a pastor, but, man, we were dragging in. We weren't even coming to Sunday school, and we knew better. Are you listening to me? We knew better. 
Right. And we were dragging in late for church. We had a time where they'd already taken the offering and the special. You know, it's just like preaching time. We're just kind of easing in here preaching time. That's bad, y'all. Amen. What was, what was the matter? I needed reviving. Yeah. Are you listening to me? I needed yeah. reviving in yeah. my heart. It wasn't that I didn't know. I knew. But I wasn't doing what I knew. Are you listening to me? And my dad, in his wisdom, he said, son, he said, he said, I want you to pray about taking a Sunday school class of boys. Now, normally, you don't give somebody a Sunday school class you know, to make them faithful. You give them a Sunday school class because they are faithful. But my dad knew in his wisdom that he put a lot in us, you know, that we knew what was right. And I said, he said, would you just pray about it? You know, he just kind of left it like that. Well, I started praying, and then somebody else started talking. Lord started talking to me and said, hey, what about your Sunday school teachers that helped you when you was a boy coming up? We've got some other little boys now that need somebody to help them. And God kind of took that. You know how God does it. And the Holy Spirit took that and started working on my heart. And man, me and my wife got right. And man, my wife plays the piano and the, or the organ or whatever. You know, she sings. And, and we got back in there. Next thing you know, I led my dad singing for 10 years. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. God did that. And I showed y'all my milk and muscle last night. I was a dairy farmer. But, uh, man, I sold all the Holstein heifers. And just you know, God, God called me to preach. And I tell people now, I'm chasing cows. Uh, instead of chasing cows across Texas, I'm chasing sinners across Arkansas. And uh, what a blessing. I'll give you a few things about revival tonight on Jonah. We're going to get to Jonah tonight. And uh, let, me, let me give you some things on revival real quick. Uh, revive, uh, re, revive, re means again, vibe means life. Somebody said if you haven't been uh, vibe, you can't be revived. Yeah. Right. Amen. You've got to be vibe. You've got to be saved before you can get, you know, revivals for God's people. Right. They need to get saved. And uh, we talked about that last night with David and Bathsheba and how David prayed, restoring to be the joy of thy salvation. But revival is a time of refreshing. Well, this wind broke blowing through here. It's refreshing. God did that for me, for this old fat boy. God did that. Amen. It's been 100 whatever here, you know. And he's back where I'm at. It's 100 in Arkansas. So, man, this is a miracle. Amen. And uh, I was wanting to buy me one of them little ice chests and put under here. Throw a bag of ice and let it blow on me. You know why I was preaching. You know, not terrible about it. But anyway. Uh, revival is a time of refreshing. It's a time of renewal. Revival is a time to reactivate. Revival is a time to reinvigorate. You know, we had a lady in our church one time, and she had polio. Her, her hands were deformed, and it affected her body. But, man, she loved the Lord. She was, her name was Marguerite Malone. And Ms. Malone, was she was longing for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And her and her husband, their health declined to the point where they had to be put in a nursing home. And, and he kind of lost his mind, and they had to put one of the ankle braces to lock the door, you know, to, where he couldn't get out of the nursing home, you know. He'd walk back to their old home that they lived in a long time. You know, his mind just wasn't there. And, and anyway, Ms. Malone said, Pastor, I've been praying for souls. She's laying there in the bed. She can't do anything. And, and you know, and she said, Pastor, I've been praying for souls. And I really believe in my heart, you know, we're out doing the leg work and passing out tracks and all that, but I believe God was hearing her prayer. Are you listening to me? And she loved God. So it don't matter where you are. You may be flat on your back, but you can pray. Amen. Amen. You can pray. And, and uh, what a blessing. I thank God for the old saints of God like that that had a heart to pray, you know, for souls. 
And uh, revival is a time to rejuvenate. It's a time to rekindle. Revival is a time to renovate, to resurrect. About half the people I, look, I preach to look like they're constipated. Amen. <laughs> I'm talking about God's people just got that old scowl. At least they got that old scowl on their face. I'm thinking, where is the joy of Jesus? Amen. Lord, help us. And uh, renew. A revival is a time to renew. Uh, it's a time to restore. And, uh, and I want my joy back. Amen. You know, uh, some are unhappy. That needs to be fixed. Some are unclean. Boy, you just need to get cleaned up. You'll feel better yeah. if you get clean. Mm-hmm. Some are, are, are struggling with unforgiveness. Wow, which leads to bitterness. Boy, you need to get rid of that, don't we? Yeah. Some have uh, uh, unconcerned hearts. We could put Jonah in that category, couldn't we? An unconcerned heart. We just don't care. And that's bad, isn't it? Well, you need to begin to care again. Some have unconfessed sin. You just need to get right with more. Well, uh, i got one little illustration. I'll get right to the message. Years ago, we had this little dog, and the dog's name was Tweety. What a dog. Man, what a little... This was just a little... I mean, this was a... Uh, it was called a, uh, a teacup Yorkie. I mean, this thing was like a, just a little ball of fur, you know? And uh, it wasn't really a dog, you know, it was just a little bundle of fur. And uh, anyway, it was kind of black and gray looking, you know. And man, you're talking about energetic. And man, that dog would jump up in your lap and just excited and enlivened and full of life. One day I was pulling in my driveway and I saw something that I thought was Tweety. I think the Lord, it was a possum. <laughs> my heart sank and I just knew how if my kids and my wife were all going to be sad. But it wasn't a dog, it was a, it was, it was a possum. It just, you know, when it smashed, you know, I just, all that gray hair and all that, and I thought, man, Tweety got hit by an 18 wheeler. Game over, you know. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, later on, uh, Tweety, this ball of energy and excitement and all that, uh, Tweety one morning was lifeless. I mean, just laying there, you know, I thought, oh no, Tweety's got carbo. You know how we always start trying to think worst. And, and my wife got to messing with Tweety and just that little bundle of fur. And, and I'm told this dog was limp. It was down to the count. I, I just knew it was going to die. And my wife found a tick on that dog. A tick. And she pulled that tick off. And it didn't take too long. I mean, it was a little bit of a process because she was down for the count. But Tweety came back. So we say, what, what, what's the illustration? I'm here to pull the ticks off the y'all. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all, you just kind of, you know, you got the blahs. So we're going to get all the ticks off of you, and then you get back up and you'll be ready to roll. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's, let's get to the message now. All right, the title of the message tonight is, Which Way Are You Running? Which Way Are You Running? And, uh, God had a people for Jonah to reach, and Jonah decided to try and run from God. Have you ever done that? To just God said do something, and you said no, nope, I ain't gonna do it. You might not verbalize it, but I mean that's exactly what happened with Jonah. Jonah, God said you go, and Jonah said I ain't doing it. I'm going the other way. And you know the story. And uh, again, uh, Jonah found himself in the belly of the well before he realized how big a mistake he'd made. And his uh, mistake was not just in the fact that he hated the people that God was sending him to, but his root problem was just disobedience to God. 
He just disobeyed the Lord, okay? And I'm telling you, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I, man, there's no slacking off place in serving the Lord. We've got to continue sounding the trumpet until the trumpet sounds. And we've got to do what God's commanded us to do. And that's going to all the world preach the gospel to every creature, okay? Now, in Jonah chapter number 1, and we're just going to read through here and uh, give you the message and then we'll be done. Okay, Jonah chapter number 1, verse number 1. Point number 1 is Jonah running away from the presence of God. Here we go. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, watch this now, from the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm just telling you this right now. If we're going to have revival, we can't, we can't be running from the presence of the right. Lord. Right. Are you with me? We can't yeah. be running away from the Lord. And uh, we probably all have family members. How I many got family members right now that you know that for a fact they're, they're running from the Lord. They're not where they need to be with God. We all got people like that that we know we love a lot. Some of them are saved and some of them might not even be saved, you know, just by the fruit of their life. But it says, uh, from the presence of the Lord, and went down, and that's where you're going to go, where I'm going to go if we run away from the presence of the Lord, we're going down. Went down to Joppa, and he found the ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. There's that statement again. But the Lord sent a great wind, a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty temp tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likely to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, notice that's a little g, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Verse 6, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us. Notice this is the capital G both times here, that we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil uh, is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men, watch this now, the men knew that he fled from the, uh, from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. I mean, Jonah, know, he knew what he was doing, okay? It wasn't like, you know, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous? And uh, he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. So this is like a terrible, terrible storm. And uh, things are really, 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 okay? I mean, it's unbelievable. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. 
For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, verse 15, they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Made vows. Verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now Jonah again is running away uh, from the Lord. He's running away from the presence of the Lord. Now, you know, in, uh, and we can't justify the wrong that Jonah did. He was disobedient to God. Are y'all with me on that? But uh, let me read you a little bit about Nineveh, okay? Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It was a major world power between 900 and 607 B.C. Nimrod founded the city of Nineveh as well as Babylon. The people were heathen and very wicked. Historians have pictured them as Sodom and Gomorrah. These were, there were more than 600,000 people there. The city was 60 miles in circumference. Its walls were 100 feet high. Three chariots could ride around the side, uh, side by side on the top of the wall. They had thousands of slaves to serve their needs. Jonah thought, listen to me now, Jonah thought that God would destroy them for their wickedness. Jonah thought if they were spared, they would destroy Israel. And, you know, Jonah just tried to outthink God, really. You know, he just kind of took it into his own hands. Now, when the Ninevites captured a city, they slaughtered all the leading citizens. When I say slaughtered, they stretched men out flat on the ground, tied their hands and their feet to stakes, and literally with knives skinned them alive. It's terrible. They drove a pointed pole into the lower chest of others and picked them up and placed the pole in a hole and left them there squirming until they died. They made pyramids out of human skulls to mark the route the conquerors had taken. One historian said men were actually skinned alive, children burned, some were blinded, some had their hands and feet and noses and ears cut off. God was concerned. I'm glad God's that way, aren't you? God was concerned about the Ninevites. He expected Jonah to do something about it. Wow. God's still concerned today, by the way. He's still concerned about a lost and dying world today. He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners to repentance. He sure did. Wow. Some of you that are older would know what I'm talking about, but sometimes it's real hard when you go to war against another country and they kill some of your family and they kill some of your friends. It's hard to love those people that did that to your brother or to your friend. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to love the people. Even though you're not necessarily dealing with the people that did that, you just kind of, I mean, y'all know I'm talking about. And and uh, I, I watched recently a documentary on Corey Tin Boone. And, uh, you know, it told the story about her and her sister Betsy, and now they had that, that, you know, watch. They had a watch store, but they hid called Hiding Place, and they hid, they hid, uh, hit people in their home, and they got found out and went to prison, you know. But one of those guards got saved by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. One of the guards that tortured uh, Corey's sister, Betsy. And she met, ran into him at a meeting and realized it was him, and he held out his hand. And it, I mean, like, God had to do something in Corey's heart because that was the man that, that was ugly to her sister, tortured her sister, Betsy. But because of the grace of God, in Corey's heart, God helped Corey to 
to be able to extend her hand and forgive that guard who'd done all those other things. Kind of reminds me of Jesus, amen, hanging on the cross when he prayed and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So I, I'm just saying Jonah wasn't where he needed to be on all this because he, he just didn't think God, he thought God was going to kill them all. And God had something else on his mind, didn't he? And, uh, wow. Chapter number two. Now Jonah is turning around and kind of had, I guess we could say, a little bit of an attitude adjustment. And you may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm telling you, listen to me, please listen to me. God can get our attention. God can get our attention just like he got Jonah's attention. He's God. Amen. He he can bring you down. But uh, Jonah, somewhere along the way here, uh, he has an attitude adjustment. The second point is Jonah turning around and running to God. So instead of running away from God, now Jonah's kind of, he's coming back to God. Look at chapter 2, verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Under the Lord his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Well, it's good to have God hear your prayers, isn't it? Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Well, that's what we need, isn't it? Get look again toward the Lord, amen, and, and, and turn your face you know, toward him, amen. Look again for thy holy temple. The waters compass me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about, and the weeds were wrapped about my head. Can y'all imagine the seaweed and stuff, the, the gastric gases and things on the inside of that, that well or great fish? And it says, uh, I went down to the bottoms, not up, but down. The bottoms of the mountains, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted in within me, I remembered the Lord. Well, I tell you, you get God bring you to your knees and you start remembering Him. And I'm telling you, listen to me now. I had a, a nephew that was away from God. We didn't even know where he was. And he got off into drugs. And, and man, we was praying for him. But I'm telling you, God went down to spot timber. He was out in the woods in Magnolia, Arkansas, spot timber. And God went down there in the woods. Got that boy, and he's pastor now Temple Baptist Church in New Iberia, Louisiana. He's reaching Cajun Catholics for Jesus. Amen. Amen. God did that. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care how far out there it might seem they can be, God can go to where they are. And and He can do that. Amen. He can do that for you. When my soul came with me, I remembered the Lord. My nephew called me and asked me if he could come back home. And I said, Man, we've been praying for you. We love you. Come on back home. Amen. He went on back to Bible college and finished up and just been living happily ever after. Married a girl named Amy Van Man, and her daddy was the, the choir director for Brother Jim Binger there in Oklahoma City for years. She can play that piano. Wow, she's an amazing uh, musician. And you know, blessing, God put all that together, and to God be the glory. My nephew's getting ready to go to India on Monday. He's flying out, going with Elvis Sneezer to, to India to, to minister over there in India. Isn't that a blessing? Wow, what a blessing. My prayer came in unto, unto thee, into thine holy temple. Verse number 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. 
Boy, he sure changed his attitude, didn't he? I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Boy, the Bible's pretty plain, isn't it? It didn't say upchuck. It didn't say regurgitate. It didn't say puke. The Bible said it vomited out. I understand that. <laughs> I do. Wow. So we see, number one, Jonah running away from God. And number two, uh, Jonah, Jonah running to God. And then number three, Jonah running for God. Look at chapter number three. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. <laughs> That's a good thing, isn't it? Glad God's got God the second chance, amen. Even if you get swallowed by a whale, amen, he can still use you. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Well, just, you know, do his own thing. He's going to preach what God bid him to preach. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He's not running from the presence of God now. Now he's running for God. According to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three days journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his message. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Judgment is coming. I'm telling you, you better get your house in order. You better be getting right, and you better be getting right soon, because judgment is coming. Whoa. Wow. Forty days of grace were granted, and grace always comes before judgment. What a blessing. Verse number five, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Imagine that. Wouldn't it be good if the people of America would believe God? Oh, yeah. Wow, the people of Nineveh, that wicked city, they believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth, watch this now, from the greatest of them uh, even to the least of them. For the word of the Lord uh, came unto the king, for the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his noble saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry, watch this now, excuse me, cry mightily unto God. Cry mightily unto God. Not Dr. Phil. Not Oprah. Are you, you know, no, 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 no. Not the Pope. No hope in the Pope. Right. No, cry mightily unto God. Amen. Mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. This is the king speaking here. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Look at verse number 10. And God, God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Wow. You would have thought that, that Jonah would have been a happy evangelist. No. No, it really kind of ticked him off, really. Jonah, again, you know, we see Jonah running away from God. We see Jonah turn around and running to God. And we see Jonah running for God. Now we see Jonah running ahead of God. Crazy. Look at verse number chapter four, verse number one. Catching y'all up on your Bible read. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Yeah. 
very angry, and he prayed unto, unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. Watch this now. Jonah knew the Lord pretty good, didn't he? He said, For I knew that thou art a gracious God. Well, I'm glad he's gracious and merciful. I'm glad he's merciful. Slow to anger. Well, I'm glad he's slow to anger and of great kindness. The kindness of a king. He sure has been kind to me. And repentest thee of the evil. Wow. And Jonah, he, he was running on purpose, wasn't he? He knew what God was going to do or what God could do. And God did it. And Jonah's angry now. Therefore now, O Lord, take I pray thee, for I beseech thee my life from me. And he got thoughts of suicide. For it is better for me to die than to live. He's having a pity party. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there made him a booth and sat under it uh, in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement, a vehement east wind, and the sun uh, beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Verse number 11, Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand uh, and their left hand, and also much cattle. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know the evidence of revival here in chapter 3. There's a preacher of God's word. There's a persuaded people. Man, they started fasting and praying. And then they turned and they repented. And then God pardoned them. Amen. What a blessing. He's a good God. He's a good God. Listen, Jonah wasn't, wasn't the, most, the most ideal missionary. Jonah was stubborn. Jonah was a racist. He had, Jonah was bitter. Jonah lacked compassion. Yet Jonah is the man that God chose. God chose Jonah to reach these people. And Jonah failed to obey God when God's word came to him the first time. Wow. He slept. He tried to die. I mean, he just had a lot of problems. I don't know where you're at on all this, but I'm kind of thinking, Lord, man, I, I want to obey your word for what I do. I was thinking about that this week. I've been trying to those song says, uh, State upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. Finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. I just, you know, just throughout the day, I just want to, there's so many things that are trying to get our eyes and our minds and all that. And then I, I just want to, you know, I want to keep my mind on him. I want to love him. I want to keep my, I want to have clean hands and a clean heart. I just want to be right with God. Amen. And I want to be able to hear that still, small voice of God. I want to get the baggage out of my life. I want to quit the sin business. Y'all listening to me? Years ago, I was preaching in Temple, Texas, and my brother-in-law's daddy was a pastor there, Brother Doyle Lawson. And he had seven children. He used to have Brother Roloff come, do camp meetings way back in the day, and, and they had some really good meetings there. But uh, anyway, my brother-in-law's daddy was a preacher, and then his daddy was a preacher. And... 
guys, so they, you know, several have lost as his preachers, you know. Well, anyway, uh, I was preaching this revival meeting, and, and uh, my preacher friend, Brother Doyle Lawson, one Wednesday night, he, he walked out of the, you know, right, it's right during the song service, and he just told the music director, he said, I'm going to step out and get a fresh breath of fresh air. He said, I got a little tightness in the chest. And he went out and truck was parked right beside the church building. He left the tailgate down and he sat down on the tailgate of his pickup truck. And they sang one song, two songs, three songs. Somebody said, somebody go check on preacher. And he went out and he'd fallen over backwards in the, in the bed of his pickup truck and he went home and did it for more. I went to his funeral and all and you know my brother-in-law, you know, he married my, my younger sister and we you know, we played their Christian school and ball and stuff when I was growing up so we knew their all of them, you know. And so, anyway, we went to the, uh, to the funeral. There were seven children. They had seven children. My brother was kind of middle of the pack. And uh, they're all grown except for Matthew. Matthew was 13 years old when his daddy died. He kind of came along later in life as that happens sometimes. But Matthew, he played the trumpet really well. And he would play the trumpet during the congregational service of his daddy's church. And he was kind of the, the apple of his daddy's eye just because came along later and all everybody else was gone and the nest was empty and, and so Matthew man he played that trumpet and you know and he's a good boy but anyway several years went by maybe 10 years went by and I'm there preaching a, a mission I mean a, a revival at his uncle Elton took the church he's a preacher too and so anyway my brother-in-law and sister were there well Matthew had gotten out of church the youngest son had gotten out of church and gotten away from and he's a cowboy. He grew up, man. He's like 6'3", and had a big old Texas belt buckle, cowboy hat, and all that stuff, you know. And, well, he came to the revival meeting on the last night, you know, and they, they went like all the way like a Sunday through, or a Monday through Sunday, you know. So it was like you know, all the way around, and, and, and I was there. And, well, anyway, that Sunday night, Matthew came in, and I've known Matthew since he was born, you know. And so I'm preaching on the home that night, Brother Beast, I'm preaching on the home, and then God just kind of blew in there. Revival meeting, you know, and it wasn't a real big church, and, and man, families are coming down the altar and praying and getting right. Man, it's just one of old kind of snots land. Man, it's just good, you know. I mean, God just kind of showed up. Well, anyway, I saw Matthew, you know, he's sitting back toward the back, and, and he got up, and I, I, you know, and then he walked out, and I thought, man, he got ticked off or something like that. You know, I just thought, he walked out the back door, and I thought he's just done. Well, the invitation's going, and people are praying, and families are praying together, and weeping, and all that. Well, next thing I know, I'm going to drink of water. What happened? Brother Roberts, he came walking back in. I thought he was going to stop in his seat, but he didn't stop. He didn't stop, y'all. He kept on coming. And I stepped down off the platform, and that big old cowboy threw his arms around, and he started to cry. And he said, Brother, we know. He said, Brother J.D., when, when my daddy died, he said, I didn't understand. I didn't understand why God, you know, so he had bitterness in his heart toward God. I didn't understand why God did that. And I've been mad at God all this time. Man, we knelt down there. We knelt down there. You know, Matthew, I mean, he just went this way back to Jesus. Amen. He loved the Lord. He knew what was right, but he got his heart right with God. And I reached back there. I, I, I motioned back there. My brother-in-law came down. And he, my brother-in-law was a big dude. Amen. The two grown men were hugging each other. And I saw his little mama there. And he was praying for him. And I asked his mama, come down and just 
town. You know, she, oh man, you towered over his mama. They towered over his mama. Oh, mama, he's crying. You know, mama, I got, I got mad at God. I got mad at God, mama. He got that old bitterness out. You know, listen to him. He got all that bitterness out of his heart. And uh, they came down to visit us in Arkansas. And his little daughter, Matthew's little daughter, Layla was nine years old. I got to leave Layla to the Lord in my office. I'm so glad that Matthew got right with God. Amen. Layla got saved. It just feels good, y'all. Just to get back to God. Amen. That's what revival time is about. It's about just getting back to that a new beginning of obedience, you know, and, and, and revive us again. Again, we need, I need reviving. You need reviving. Amen. We'll have this place to come play something for us, and that'll be good. I think it's just time to have invitation. And then we the altar, you pray in your seat. I know we ain't got a lot, you know, to go altar here, but we're going to do the best we can. Amen. You make an altar where you're at. Whatever you feel led to do. But if you're here tonight and you're lost, well, we want you to kind of be saved. you got somebody you love that's kind of like a gentleman on the run, away from God, to be a good night, and get on your knees and pray for them. Amen. Man, I'm glad that I'm on the winning side. Amen. Yeah. Man, I know where to run to, that city of refuge, amen? And yeah, that'd be a book. You just play that. You got that on here, the city of refuge? Just play, just play. Keep singing, I don't care. Let's stand together. Just invite you to come right now. We don't count noses or anything, but if you'd like to come to the altar, make an altar there in your chair, your seat, whatever you feel like to do, God bless you. Said on my worst day, I'm still on my way to a place called heaven.